0: You're listening to Bethany Radio. Our content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning again, and take out your sword before you, the Word of God, or if you don't have one, find one in a seat in front of you and head to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter today so you can just go to verse 1, but we're, we're really looking at verses 10 through 18 as we continue on and study this book and uh, a couple things as you're making your way to Joshua. Uh, One is just thank you for your prayers again as Hannah mentioned. Thank you for praying for us this past week. It's good to be back with you in church and not celebrating uh, or being down in Cresco for the morning. So I'm just thankful to everyone last week. It just made it easy, and I don't say you made it too easy to miss a lot, but it was just, we were not scared, and so it just is wonderful, wonderful work of the Lord, so thank you uh, for your prayers and encouragement and texts and all the ways, uh, just praise God, he's working through you to encourage us, so thank you for doing that. Uh, I have a couple pictures. I'm, I'm a two weeks behind here, so I've got a couple. This is, uh, I think, the one that was on my desk from last week, right, from Madeline, so the only one I saw, but Milt had you in uh, Genesis 1 through 3, so there's some nice coverings on Adam and Eve there, and you've got the picture of them uh, in the garden. I think Adam's chasing a rabbit, isn't he? <laughs> He's like, come back here, rabbit. So uh, thank you, Madeline, and uh, help me get a picture of what you guys were in last week, and uh, and then the next one here is from the week prior. This is from Anya, right? Frank and Vani, uh, Vani's granddaughter. Uh, Anya drew this through the first nine chapters of Joshua. She would be able to explain really better all of these, but at least, at least in in seven here, this is interesting if you study this. So here's you know verse seven. Uh, do not turn from it, you know the law. Don't turn to the right or to the left. She's got a guy, or lady, I don't know, walking here. Don't go left. There's a circle with a slit. Don't go left. Don't go right. Walk with the Lord. So I appreciate her caught it there. appreciate you kids drawing, and, or adults, and being creative, and turning those in, and doing what you can. So that's good. All right. Well, let's get into our text. It's... Uh, 18 verses, and and we'll talk about why we're reading the whole thing, but I think it's good to just hear, come back to the beginning, let's start again into verse 10 and where we'll be studying just uh, for this morning. So, verse 1, Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do. Wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Let me pray for us again. Lord, as we come to your word and as we just think over this passage and who you are, we're reminded today in our song of your mercy and grace and, and our only hope of righteousness. And then the call on our lives in light of that to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I pray right now, Lord, you would renew our minds in your word. We would, we would eat well today, not because of a well-placed sermon, but because your spirit is working in your word to accomplish your purposes. So I, I pray that and that you would work in our hearts Lord, reveal what you need to in our lives, that we would conform more to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. Well, there's a purpose in reading this whole chapter to you, and I I think in one way, this whole first chapter of Joshua, kind of, we see the entire book of Joshua, and I don't know if you've been able to read through it all, you will eventually if you're reading through the Bible, but I'd encourage you to do that, but there's... There's some great themes, I think, in this chapter uh, alone. And I think you'll see it. So you, you might hear Sermon A, B, and then C and Z down the road and say, that kind of sounds similar because I think there's similar themes going through there, uh, through the book. Over and over, I mean, here even in this first chapter, we see God giving the land. We want to make a note. God is the one that gives the land. He's the hero here of the story. God calls Joshua then, though, to lead. He does call his person, his, his leader, Joshua. And he'll be with Joshua. And then we get into these verses 10 through 18 that we're going to look at. So what was commanded in 1 through 9, kind of this, if you have an ESV, it says God commissions Joshua. So his, his commissioning, his command. And then 10 through 18 is kind of Joshua now, now getting the camp ready to go. And there, there's a theme of obedience to this new commander Joshua. Like I said, I think similar themes show up through the whole book of Joshua. And so that's why in your bulletin on the top each week, you'll see that trust and obey the God of your salvation. Trust and obey in the God or the God of your salvation. I just want to pull that apart just a little bit. To look at this. As I was looking at it, and we're going to sing later that song, Trust and Obey, if that comes to mind. It came to my mind as I'm looking through the text of Joshua. One is trust. It's it's for the people of Israel and Joshua to trust. They're going into the promised land against enemies, and they must trust or believe or put their faith in God that he's going to say what he said he will do, that God will do it. As he was with Moses, he's going to be with the people as they go in and they're to trust him as they face the enemy and it's not just a trust of oh good let's just sit grab the lawn chairs on the banks of the Jordan and just watch god go to work in that land and then once it's all taken care of we'll go in it's a trust and then they walk in obedience and they go and they cross the Jordan and they go into the land and that's their obedience their call to fully obey The word of the Lord. To not turn to the right or the left, as Anya had it in their picture, but straight on. When they do this, success. When one of them fails, there's failure. We're going to see that as we go. But it's important the last... There is trust and obey, but important this last part of it, the God of your salvation. In all this, the main character of this book, again, of the Bible, is the Lord God Almighty. It's the Lord who saves, who fights, who is with them, who ultimately commands them through his servant Joshua. And so trust and obey the God of your salvation, the God who is saving you, giving you this land, that God, trust him and obey his words. Remember who you serve and then go forward in obedience. And that's, as we get to verse 10, that's what Joshua does. The call of God, perhaps the... Uh, and his presence ringing in Joshua's ears. And we come to this first act as commander. Look at 10 through 11. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You see it again? He's giving you to possess. Go take possession. Joshua takes possession command. He heard from God and now he's going about God's business. And the word is get your provisions ready. We're going in and it's God's gift. So question, where are we? Are we in Europe or in Asia? Where are we? In your bulletin you have, last week you had, so this week you might have more and we can print more if you need them. Or some of you uh, have maps in the back of your Bible, uh, and you want to find them and follow along, you can do that. Uh, this map is helpful. It doesn't show everything, but it, it, it can be helpful. It's very small up here, but you have it there, maybe, and uh, there's some in the back if you need them. But just to know where we're at, we're on the eastern plains. They call it the eastern plains of Moab. Here's little Jericho, well, not little, but there it is, Jericho, Jordan River, kind of cr- cross-secting here, the area, and then on the east side here, uh, Shitim. Where we're at on this plains of Moab, where we're at with the people of Israel as we get into this. Again, this promise of the land on the western side, we'll talk about the east a little bit uh, later here, but this promise of this land goes back, we said five, six hundred years to Abraham, to the promise to him that, that Israel uh, would come to this land. And they've been on a journey up to this point. They've been, if this was Egypt, they've been through Egypt and come through Sinai and the giving of the commandments and the law and the wandering in the wilderness and back and forth and eventually coming up kind of this the eastern side of Moab into uh, these plains here right where we're at with them right now. In fact, 40 years prior to this time where we're at, around 40 years, They had already spied out the land that they're getting ready to go into. You might remember that spy mission that went bad. It went good for two of them. Two of them came back uh, and they said, let's go, let's go do this. Those two were Joshua and Caleb. Joshua we're seeing, Caleb we'll see a little while in this book. They came back, they said, let's go, God can do this. Let's go into the land, let's do it. The others, uh, no thanks. They responded in disbelief. God brought us out just to be crushed by these basically giants in the land. And we're going to fail. And, and at the heart of it was rebellion and disbelief in their God. They lacked a trust in the God who had brought them through the Red Sea and through, through the wilderness Numbers 14, 7-10 tells us, and you don't have to go there, we'll go another place later, but tells us about Joshua and Caleb and their speech to the people 40 years prior to where we're at today. They said, the land which we passed through to spy it out, it's an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said, To stone them with stones. That was the first response to the spy mission. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And I wonder. If in Joshua's mind, as he's ready to cross, prepare your things, I wonder if he looks around at this people and wonders, are they going to go in with me? Are they going to follow me? Are they going to follow the Lord? Are are we going to do this? Or do we have 40 more years or greater? Is God just going to be done with us here? I wonder what he might have thought. But he couldn't worry about what they might do. He needed to lead. He needed to trust God to get the people ready to make the plans. He needed to trust and obey, and he was, and he did. By the way, more background we're not getting into, but if you're reading through uh, the Bible, let me just encourage you. The orange, I'm just still encouraging here in January, pick one of those up. We're on January 20. Just start there today. You don't have to start at the beginning, but just, just read through the Bible with us over these next two years And you will, through the Pentateuch, through Genesis, and you already got If you follow along last week, you got some of Genesis 1 and 3 done already and keep going. But you will see the story, and you will get a wonderful background towards Joshua and this entry into the Promised Land. So I encourage you to do that. Pick those up and be in it. Um, So the word goes out to the people here. Prepare, get ready, pack the car. Load up the minivan, right? That's what you do on a... I mean, not them, but it's what you do to get ready. The camp's moving out. Prepare to possess the land which the Lord, your God, is giving you. Just ask you by way of application before we look at the next section, how are you preparing to meet the Lord one day? Our inheritance... Will he come and find you and I about his business or about your business? There's a call here. Prepare to meet for us. Prepare to meet your God. Uh, John Calvin said this. I'll quote him. He said, We shall never be fit for the service of God if we look not beyond this fleeting life. Look beyond the Jordan to the promise of God and His return. Beyond the needs of today, beyond what's just temporary, to what's eternal, to really, in essence, seek first the kingdom of God, to prepare. And then in verse 12, Joshua commands the officers, get the uh, the word out, and he speaks specifically then to these three tribes of Reuben, Gad, and a half-tribe of Manasseh in 12 through 15. I'm not going to read it all. But in essence, these verses, 12 through 15, Joshua's really recalling uh, for these two and a half tribes what Moses has already commanded them. These are the two and a half tribes that are going to stay. You saw the map. They're going to stay on the the eastern side. They're not going into what was typically the promised land. They're staying to the east. I want you to just turn back just a little bit to the book of Numbers. You can find it pretty quick. Just two books to the left of where you're at. Numbers uh, 32, we'll look at verse 20, we'll kind of start there. Numbers 32, and both the book of Numbers here in this and other places, and the book of Deuteronomy chapter 3, kind of in a condensed version, they tell the account of Israel really coming up that that eastern side around Moab and into the plains, and they talk about them coming against uh, Sihon, king of the Amorites, And then there's this great king named Og. What a great name. You guys can draw out Sihon, and I don't know what Og looked like, but he was the king of Bashan. So what does an Og look like? I don't know. But there's these tribes, Reuben, Gad, uh, half-tribe Manasseh. Numbers here says they had a lot of livestock. And so I'm, I'm thinking this area in particular was better. I'm not... Grown up in livestock, but flatter, better than all the hills of Judea. That's what I'm thinking, why they would like this area better. But they ask for it. And in Numbers 32, Moses really gets on them. Like, no, we're, you mean to stay here? We're close to the promised land. But they respond, no, they're going to go in with everybody else. They will go in with their brothers to the promised land. They're going to fight. They'll, do, they'll help them. And when that's all done, then they'll come home. And so we pick it up in verse 20 where Moses says this to these tribes that are staying on the eastern side. He says, if you'll do this, if, if you'll take up arms to go before the Lord for the war, basically you'll, you've got this land, but you're going to come into the, the, you know, the promised land. Verse 21, and every armed man of you will pass over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him. And the land is subdued before the Lord Then after that you shall return and be free of obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And this land, he's talking about east of the Jordan, this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep, and do what you have promised. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben said to Moses, your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and all our cattle shall remain there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will pass over every man who is armed for war before the Lord to battle as my Lord orders. Here's our question as we turn back to Joshua 1. These, they told Moses, we're going to fight. We'll go in. We'll do the work till it's all done, and then we'll come home. Here's the question. Now that Moses is dead and Joshua is in charge and they have the land, they're currently dwelling in the land, will they obey Joshua? Will they go back to? on their word to help their brothers and really I'm grateful to a commentator Richard Hess here for this idea this questioning would they obey Joshua will they follow him as their new leader so to these three tribes Joshua appeals in verse 13 remember the word that Moses told you like remember you guys told Moses you would do this i don't know that Joshua's fearful we don't we don't hear that in here but perhaps you know would this tribe would they disobey but remember these words remember Remember uh, Reuben, Gad, the half-tribe, Manasseh. Remember, you guys said you would go in and you would fight and you would do this. You need to follow through in obedience to what you said. And so we look at verse 16 and their response. Verse 16 in particular, They answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. What a phrase. All you command, we're going to do. Where you send, we will go. Any fears of them not following through, if there was there, they fade as they give their full support. They commit once again to obedience. And now to Joshua. It's like a, like a blank check. It's like writing out, Joshua, here's our check, here's our lives. You tell us, where you want us to go. You tell us what you want done. We'll go here. We'll go there. We're at your command, Joshua. We're at your service. And then verse 17, they say, Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So in the same way they followed Moses, they're going to follow Joshua. The the word for obey here, if you see it in verse 17, just as we obeyed Moses, so we will obey, is the word Shema. Now you may not hear a lot of Hebrew words, but that word might ring a bell, the Shema. You might hear uh, sometimes of the Jewish people, uh, I think, citing the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, that that idea of hearing. It's a great word, and husbands, we can take a clue here. Uh, Hearing is not just looking like we're looking like we're paying attention it's actually hearing and taking the the words in and then there's there's a doing to it so there's an action to it to these words this idea of obeying so there's just there's there's listening but then there's obeying and that's kind of the word here so it's just as we they could say just as we heard moses same thing just as we obeyed we heard we heard and we did We're not just hearers, only we we do, and it's kind of a connecting word there. To obey in all things. I wonder if this describes your approach and attitude before the King of all kings, before your Savior, to the one who's called you. Do you have a, like like them, do you have a, a whatever, wherever type attitude of submission to the Lord Jesus. Listen to the commands of Jesus in John fifteen. These words to his disciples. John fifteen, eight through eleven. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. There's fruit bearing, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So there is love of Jesus. We want to celebrate that. And he says then, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I would imagine that perhaps in each one of us, Confession needs to take place where there are areas where we have not fully obeyed the Lord our God. We have not had a wherever, whatever, it's more like on my terms and I'll obey when it fits me, maybe mentality. Jesus came that we might see our sin, our disobedience, that we might be forgiven through him. But again, as we talked about in Sunday school, not so that we can be okay in our sin. Oh, I'm forgiven. I can live. His commandments? Yeah, they're kind of, I don't know. No, they're too, we're to obey and we're to follow. But we're to obey out of His love and out of what He's done in our hearts to walk with Him wherever, whatever. Look at verse 18. Now it gets serious. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall be put to death, only be strong and courageous. Now, death to those that disobey. Uh, we're not applying this part of this passage to where we put to death sinners. It's not. This was a particular time, a unique time for Israel as both a, a nation, a political, a state, a nation, and as a people of God. Now with Jesus, the new commandment, It has been renewed or changed, you might say. We might say, well, okay, we don't put people to death for sin. That's not something that God in His Word is calling us to do. But are there serious demands? I mean, just think about this. We've been through Mark. Listen to a couple verses from Mark. Are there still serious demands? I mean, almost towards death. Here's Mark. I mean, Mark 8. Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, kind of sounds like death to me, whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Not death for sin, but a dying to serve the Lord. Mark 9. Jesus says if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Better to enter life crippled or the kingdom with one eye than to be thrown into hell. Sounds like Jesus took sin pretty seriously. Not that he literally means cut off your hand, but deal with sin seriously. No true child of God, if you consider yourself a child of God, should not be in sin and be okay with it. I didn't say you shouldn't be without sin or not sinning at all, but that we're not comfortable in those places. We don't stay in our sin and say, I'm saved, I, I, I sing the songs, His mercy is more, I do what I want. I say, oh Lord, I sinned again. And we've got to fall back on His mercy again. I'll give you two exhortations Applications as we close out this section. Joshua talking to this tribe and their response. Number one is to remember your God, your calling, and your words. Remember your God, your calling, and your words. Have you committed your life to Christ? Do you call Him, say, Savior and Lord? Have you been obedient to baptism? Do you remember your baptism that that said to those watching, whether on the shoreline or by the pool or wherever it was, that that I was dead, but I'm alive in Christ, and I want to follow Him. He's my Savior and, and my Lord, and I'm here saying, do you remember those words? Remember them and follow through on what you've said and do it by God's grace. We need His help and His grace to do this. So remember your God. Remember the God that works in your calling, your words of commitment. And then number two is to respond in obedience. So remember your God. Number two, respond in obedience. Like these tribes, respond to your Savior in glad and full-hearted obedience. What you command, Jesus, we will do. Where you send We will go, and that's kind of can be a scary thing to say. The desert of Africa, I I really don't like hot. I love the weather up here. Even in the coldest day, it's better than 100 degrees to me. But am I willing to go to the desert of Africa for the cause of Christ? Or some might say, am I willing to go up north to Minnesota for the cause? You know, you get the idea. Wherever. Or the remote lands of China. Or maybe it's just the right thing you need to do, the thing in your work or your family or your personal life or that thing you've been looking at on the computer that you need to obey and get rid of and put off and obey and follow God. Maybe that's your Africa. Are you personally responding to Jesus by joyfully following the commands of your God? And then in light of these tribes being under Joshua, just again, just a little more deeper application of responding in obedience, are you joyfully following those he has put in authority in his church? In this church, we have elders. And though they are not to lord it over the people, the elders are to serve the people. Here's the call from Hebrews 13, 17 for the church to submit. It says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I just encourage you to submit to those in leadership to, and, and, and beyond that to pray for them. Many of you do, to bless them, to encourage them. In their work. I had one call from a lady in our church this week. You just will not know how much one call of encouragement means, but to say, How's Hannah? I've been praying for her and I haven't heard how's she doing? Just thank you, Lord. It means so much. Let me encourage you, encourage your leaders in that way. Just as these tribes responded, May God be with you. Joshua, be strong, courageous, you can do it. Encourage them. And then you can expand that out as well. Are you joyfully following those God has put in authority, maybe not here, but in your school or your office or our state or our government, etc.? May we be whatever and wherever type people for God, prepared to hear from God, remembering His words and joyfully committed to the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for us again. Lord, I pray for each one in this room and my own heart that we remember what we have said some of our days. We've, we've sang songs in here, I Will Follow. We've sung that before. Uh, we'll, we'll sing in a minute, trusting and obeying. What a great way to live. And I think in this moment, I don't know that any of us would say, I I don't want to follow. I want to obey. And yet, Lord, we walk out of the doors here. We enter into life in our households, in our businesses, down the street, where we have coffee, etc. And, Lord, it's not so easy. So, Lord, we want to first call out, oh, Lord, help us obey what you command Lord, enable us to do, and we thank you that you've given your Spirit in our lives to do that. So, Lord, help us to obey. And, Lord, where we falter, may we not hear that lie of the enemy that says, You're done, you're all through. Lord, may we hear the drumbeat of the promise of your mercy in Christ Jesus and the cross and make confession, make full confession and repentance. And come again. And Lord, be renewed in your grace as you work through us. Guide us as a people in that way to fully obey you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.